0: And welcome back to the 49er Way podcast. It's your host Jay Sahota back at it to recap week 8 in the NFL. On today's episode, we'll recap the 49ers ugly nightmare of a loss to the Seattle Seahawks and also looking ahead to the Thursday night matchup versus the Green Bay Packers. We will also recap the rest of Week 8 in the NFL and crown this week's winners of the 49er Way Weekly Awards. Well, before we get to recapping the Niners-Seahawks game last Sunday, we'll get to some trade deadline details as the deadline was this past Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. The Niners weren't too busy, but there were definitely a few moves and we'll start with the trade. The Niners traded starting linebacker Quan Alexander to the New Orleans Saints for a 5th round pick and... Kiko Alonso, former Buffalo Bill, Miami Dolphin, and New Orleans Saint. I don't disagree with this move. I think that Quan Alexander is a great guy. Great guy, great player. He was brought here to help the culture change in the 49ers organization, help what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were trying to do with improving the culture that the 49ers are trying to build. And Quan Alexander was a huge part of that. He brought the energy. He's a great locker room guy, a great leader on this defense, really paved the way for guys like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, and it is unfortunate to see him go, and you definitely wanted Quan Alexander, who I believe he initially signed, it was a four or five year deal last year, but unfortunately Quan Alexander just hasn't been able to stay healthy. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, and so far in the beginning of this season that he has been playing he was okay. And and I think the Niners were content with the fact that Fred Warner's playing at a very, very high level. Dre Greenlaw's playing at a very high level as well. And Aziz Shire's playing at a pretty good level as well. And that's it. If Quan Alexander can't stay healthy and those guys are playing at a high level and we're overpaying Quan Alexander, John Lynch has already expressed how the Niners need to clean some cap space going into next season. This was a move that was expected to make. So very unfortunate to see a guy like Quan go, who really embodied the 49er way in a lot of different ways and I know it was tough for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch to tell him that the Niners had traded him but we get a draft pick which is good and Kiko Alonso obviously he's definitely not the football player he used to be he's also pretty injury prone but he's pretty good depth to be behind guys like Warner and Greenlaw so very unfortunate. I wish Quan all the best in New Orleans and I'm glad he went to New Orleans cuz the Saints were another playoff team and hopefully Quan will be able to play in the playoffs this season and we'll see him in January. On to some other news, the Niners did not trade anyone else but they did cut two players, one not surprising, the other a bit surprising. The Niners cut 2018 second round pick Dante Pettis who was inactive for majority of the games this season. He had no catches. And his one fumble was this past Sunday against the Seahawks. Man, it's it's tough. And and for Dante Pettis, this was a tough one to see happen. The Niners expected a lot out of him. They expected him to be the number one wide receiver at some point. But obviously, Debo Samuel turned into that guy, and then they went out and got Brandon I. You can. It just went all downhill from there, and especially from last year. He was in Shanahan's doghouse for majority of the season. Pettis just really just couldn't get going, and it's highly unfortunate, but that's a, a move that was, you know, not surprising, and we saw coming, and especially after he fumbled against Seattle, I I knew that that was the last time we would see Dante Pettis in a Niner uniform. The other one was Julian Taylor, defensive tackle, who hasn't played all years beyond the—he's been on the physically unable to perform list with an ACL injury that he tore last year— I thought this one was tough because the Niners need a lot of help on the D-line, but I guess maybe his leg was not healing as quick as it should have been. The Niners didn't need him this year. I don't really know what the case was there, but Julian Taylor was a young player that the Niners had high expectations for, and he's a guy the Niners really needed in this pass rush. So very unfortunate to see what happens there. Who knows? Maybe the Niners bring him back at some point later this year or next year who knows, but I wish the best of luck to Dante Pettis and Julian Taylor, and especially Dante Pettis. I really do hope he goes somewhere, gets a fresh start, and and really picks up where he left off in 2018, where he looked promising in his rookie season, so I wish the best for Dante. Heading into the Niners game against Seattle, it was ugly. 37-27. I know the score doesn't really show it, but this game mirrored very much how Niners Seahawks games have been in the past six, seven years, obviously, except for last year. But that game just looked all too familiar for 49er fans. And it's it, it was just a disaster from beginning to end. The Niners seemed to kind of get going in the beginning. But that one interception in Seattle territory really just, really just switched the momentum and Seattle just took over from there. And the Niners defense held their own early. But eventually, Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. They're going to do their thing. And they had their way with the Niners defense. And the Niners O oh, just couldn't keep up. And that's really what happened in this game. And the Niners O oh, looked off the entire game with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helmet. And it wasn't really until Garoppolo left the game and Mullins came in that the Niners offense actually started picking up. But it was a tough day at the office for Kyle Shanahan and co. The Niners dropped to 4-4. Four four. Seahawks get back to their winning ways and go to 6-1. On some quick team notes here. 24 first downs, 6 for 13 on third, 2 for 2 on fourth downs. The Niners didn't run the ball very well. Only 52 rushing yards. Obviously, the only two running backs that were available in this game were Jarek McKinnon and Jermichael Hasty. Tevin Coleman was active, but banged up his knee early on and did not return with that same knee injury. Just really just so tough. So tough. I mean, Tevin Coleman had that nice run in the first quarter. And the next thing you know, it was like, where, where's Tevin Coleman? He got hurt. It's tough. It really is. 52 rushing yards isn't going to cut it, especially for a team like the Niners, who really do everything on the ground. And that's how this offense gets started. 299 passing yards on the day. A lot of those were from Nick Mullins. 351 total yards overall. The Niners turned the ball over twice. There was the kick return uh, for touchdown that Dante Pettis fumbled and Jimmy Garoppolo's interception in Seattle territory early on. Just really tough stuff. And the Niners obviously there was the one interception one loss fumble there the Niners had two sacks yeah it was okay the pass rush still didn't really get to Russell Wilson that much early on they looked pretty good but they just didn't have enough later on they didn't force any turnovers anytime you're not going to force any turnovers against a guy like Russell Wilson you're in trouble just look at Arizona for example they forced three interceptions on Russell Wilson they won the game six penalties penalties were still a bit of a problem Time of possession really wasn't that bad. Seattle 30 minutes, Niners 29 minutes. So I think this was definitely more of a problem on the offense just didn't get in, an, in a rhythm at all until Nick Mullins came in when the game was already out of reach. Or for Seattle, it was really just came down to the fact that the Niners just couldn't stop Seattle's offense. Early on, they did. But at some point, Russell Wilson just kept going to DK Metcalf and that was it. It was good night from there. Some individual stats, Jimmy Garoppolo was 11 for 16, 84 yards, one interception, ended up leaving the game with a high ankle sprain that was worse than last time, and we'll get to more on that in a bit. Nick Mullins came in in the fourth quarter in relief for the third time this, or the fourth time this season, and was pretty good. 18 for 25, 238 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Mullins looked a lot better this week than he did his last time out against Philadelphia, and we're going to need that down the stretch because it's going to be Nick Mullins for the next six weeks or so, and we'll talk more about that in a bit as well. Jermichael Hasty, 12 rushes for 29 yards and a touchdown. You know, would have loved more out of Hasty. We talked about Tevin Coleman, only three rushes for 20 yards because he left the game early on in the first quarter with a knee injury. Brandon Ayuk just continues to ball out, especially without Debo Samuel. Ayuk led the team, eight catches for 91 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk has honestly been the best player on offense this entire season. He has been a really just a star on this Niners team when a, not a lot has gone right for this 49ers team this season. Brandon Ayuk has been a bright spot for this team. Kendrick Bourne also picked up in place of Debo Samuel, eight catches for 81 yards. Unfortunately, he will not play tomorrow night. We'll get to that in a bit as well. Jerick McKinnon, four catches, 40 yards and a touchdown. Jerick McKinnon didn't really do much in the run game. He got going in the past game in garbage time. But that's about it. George Kittle was held to only two catches on the day for 39 yards And left the game with a foot injury. And the defense held their own for most of the game, but DK Metcalf was just way too much to handle. And that was it from this game. It was just a complete nightmare, and it didn't mirror the typical 49ers team that you would normally see from a Kyle Shanahan coach team. Having said that, this game definitely mirrored how the season has gone. They started off good, you saw them fight, you saw them be resilient. Even when Nick Mullins came in, they still pushed, they still scored, they tried to make it close, but they just didn't have enough. They just didn't have enough in the tank, and that has been the thing all season with the San Francisco 49ers. It's been, they have it, they have it, they have it. No, they don't. They don't have it, and that's how it's been. Week one against Arizona was tough. Week two against the Jets, they played great, but lost some key guys. So it was bittersweet. Giants game that looked great with all the all the practice squad guys. And then Week 4 and 5 were really tough games to lose. Week 6 and 7, they looked fantastic. And then Week 8 against Seattle, they're right back down to rock bottom. It's just, it's been a roller coaster ride. On to some injuries, and there were some big ones this week. Jimmy Garoppolo injured his ankle. And at first, the 49ers initially thought that he just re-injured his high ankle sprain that he injured back in Week 2 against the Jets. It was worse than they thought. And he actually completely injured the ankle again. So it's not even like he retweaked his old high ankle sprain. He injured the entire ankle all over again. Jimmy G will be out for six weeks. Possibility of him being out for the remainder of the season. Just, you you just got to feel for him. And I think Garoppolo, the one learned lesson that he can take away from this is that Jimmy G needs to learn how to protect himself. And it's it's a big deal. I know there's been a lot of chatter this week so far that Garoppolo, because he's so busy protecting himself, it's limiting Kyle Shanahan's offense. And as much as I hate to agree with that because I don't want to believe it, it's it's partially true. And, and it's just, it's so unfortunate. But when you have torn your ACL, now you have an ankle injury, it 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 you know Jimmy Garoppolo I really truly do from the bottom of my heart think that he is this guy, and he is the franchise quarterback of this football team. We have won twenty four games with him. We have won five without him. I I I just don't know at this point. But if Garoppolo can't stay healthy, that's that's a big deal. But we'll see what happens down the line. What John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan are thinking. But listen, I want Jimmy Garoppolo back next year. But in the case that John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan do want to move on from him, I would expect to have an experienced quarterback next season. Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers. I doubt Aaron Rodgers is going to lead Green Bay next year, but it's a possibility. Dak Prescott, if he doesn't get the contract with Dallas. So I would want someone experienced. And Matt Ryan is right atop the list right now. I would not want Kirk Cousins. Don't think he is experienced enough in the playoffs. I know we had that big game against the Saints last year, which was really the signature win of his career. But Either way, I I wouldn't want Kirk Cousins. I don't think he is any better than Jimmy Garoppolo. But it's really tough to see Jimmy G go down. It really is. And especially with all these people going at his neck right now, saying he should be cut, he's played like trash. I think it's completely unfair for a guy who's won 24 games for this football team, and we've been completely garbage without him. I, I just think it's very... It's very spoiled of 49er fans. And... It's just I don't know. It it just, it just doesn't sit well with me. Like I get it. Jimmy Garoppolo's not, you know, Patrick Mahomes. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Michael Vick, you know. He doesn't do all, you know, he's not Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen do all these crazy things. But Jimmy Garoppolo wins football games. And I think for this for the this Niners fan base to not be appreciative of that is a bit absurd. But I could be wrong. I get it. You know, I totally some people have made some really really good points about Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's where part of me is like, yeah, I, I, it is very likely the Niners could move on from him. It very well could be. But if there's not a better option, Jimmy Garoppolo's our starting quarterback next year because he's shown he can do it. But he has to show improvements. This year, he wasn't healthy and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Anyways, we'll move on from Jimmy G. Even bigger news than Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle injured his foot later in that game. He is most likely out for the entire or the remainder of the season. He's out six to eight weeks with a foot fracture. George Kittle is going to be George Kittle. He told Koshan and he'll be back in two weeks. I doubt that. George Kittle has to take care of himself. He is a cornerstone piece for our football team and really our future. So I hope Kittle's okay. You really can't script things like that. Having two of the most important pieces of your offense go down in the same game pretty much for the rest of the season. It's very unfortunate. Debo Samuel and Tevin Coleman have been ruled out for Thursday's game against the Packers. Jordan Reed is expected to play. Haven't heard the latest on if he's practiced or not, but we'll see how he goes tomorrow. Hopefully he is active because especially without Kittle, it'll be huge to have Jordan Reed there. And Tchaikovsky Tart, don't know if he will play tomorrow either. So the injuries just continue to just kill the 49ers season. And, you know, I really did think that this would be the time where we'd get guys back and it would be time to get rolling and the Niners are gonna get healthy and all we needed to do was go five and five into the bye week and we can run the table in the second half. Unfortunately, it just it's that's not gonna happen. And it's just it's very tough. It's unfortunate. But if the Niners keep their pieces, we have an unbelievable core. And I think people forget, when this team is healthy, they are one of the best teams in the National Football League. And I think We weren't even that healthy, but it really showed in the Rams and the Patriots game in week six and seven, what this 49ers team can do when, even when they're partially healthy. So I think people are going to kind of forget heading into 2021, but you know, it's not the end of the world, but this year definitely sucks. Going into week nine's game Thursday night against Green Bay. I mean, let's just go out and try and not get blown out. I mean, the Packers are going to be coming for our throats they are ticked they came into Levi's twice last year they got their butts completely kicked you know Aaron Rodgers wants to come in here with a bruised and battered 49 ers squad you know they want to they want to stomp all over us like we did to them last year obviously there will be no Mostert no Debo no Kittle no Garoppolo so you know I think the, the it should be the formula should be simple for the Niners is just you know let Kyle Shanahan do what Kyle Shanahan does. And I know he'll come up with a great game plan. doesn't matter what 11 guys are out there. Kyle Shanahan always finds a way to scheme up something. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens on Thursday. The Packers are lucky Raheem Mostert is out. Because if Raheem Mostert was there, he'd probably give that defense post-traumatic stress disorder. But, you know, lucky, lucky for Green Bay. They won't have a 220-yard rusher against them on Thursday night. I don't know. If Mullins and this offense can keep up with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, that's up to this defense, really. Obviously, DK Metcalf crushed this Niners secondary on Sunday. So the Niners have to be up to the task because they got Devontae Adams on Thursday. And if Michael Thomas is healthy, they got them in week 10 as well. Run the football. Keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. That's the best and most simplest formula to beating the Green Bay Packers. Keep Aaron Rodgers off the football field. We'll see if the Niners can do that. For the most part, the Niners defense looks pretty healthy going into this game. So it'll be up to them to slow down Aaron Rodgers. And of course, the Niners are going to need some help in this game. A lot of guys are down, especially on offense. They're going to need some help. Limit the penalties, force some turnovers on Aaron Rodgers, and I think the Niners will be all right and they'll hang in there. I know this team. I know some of our key guys are out. Not even some, a lot of our key guys are out right now and probably for the rest of the season. But this Niners team never gives up. If you've watched them since Kyle Shanahan took over, they never give up. This is a very resilient group. I'm excited to see what they do from here on out. And, you know, at the same time, listen, if we come last place, we get a last place schedule next year. We have the core coming back healthy next year. You know, it's what I said a few minutes ago. I think the Niners will be right back atop the NFC next year as the NFC's top teams. If everyone comes back healthy next year and we have a last place schedule, that goes in our favor going in next year. Now let's get to recapping some other Week 8 headlines around the NFL from Sunday. Starting with last Thursday night, the Atlanta Falcons beat the Carolina Panthers, Panthers on Thursday night football, getting their second win of the season. Another huge game from Julio Jones, and that defense held on late as the Falcons go to 2-6, and six. Panthers dropped to 3-5. The Pittsburgh Steelers held off the Baltimore Ravens in what was the game of the day, 28-24. The Steelers' D once again showed out, picking off Lamar Jackson on the first possession of the game. Steelers go to 7-0, the last unbeaten team in the National Football League. Ravens fall to 5-2 and Lamar Jackson still searching for that signature win of his young career. The Indianapolis Colts came back after a bye and dominated the Detroit Lions 41-21. A huge day for this Colts defense and Phillip Rivers as the Colts improved to 5-2 and and are now tied atop the AFC South with the Titans. And the Lions dropped 3-4. Speaking of those Tennessee Titans, boy, they did not look very good. They fell to the Cincinnati Bengals on the road in a shocking result, 31-20. The Titans dropped their second straight. And Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor get their signature win of their respective young careers as well. Very shocking for the Titans there. They've now lost two straight. The Minnesota Vikings upset the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field 28-22. Dalvin Cook eight all afternoon, dominating with 226 scrimmage yards and scoring all four of Minnesota's touchdowns. I think we all know that Vikings offense, it all goes through number 33. And boy, did he eat up that Green Bay Packers defense all afternoon. Packers have now lost two of their last three as they drop to 5-2 and two as they still sit atop the NFC North. And the Vikings pick up their second win of the season. The New England Patriots fall to the Buffalo Bills 24-21. Cam Newton had the ball late in field goal range to tie the game, but he fumbled. And in a microcosm of the New England Patriots season so far, that was it. They had it, and then they don't. The Patriots fall to 2-5 into second last place, just ahead of the defeated New York Jets. And the Bills go into first place in 6-2 in a game that seems to have been the changing in the guard in the AFC East. And I know Buffalo Bills fans have been waiting to hear that, but there's still half a season to go. Buffalo's got a big one on Sunday against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. The Las Vegas Raiders went into Cleveland and beat the Browns in a slugfest. 16-6, Raiders improved to 4-3 and keep up in the wild card race. While the Browns did not look pretty at all without OBJ and Nick Chubb, they fall to 5-3. The Kansas City Chiefs dominated the New York Jets, no surprise here, 35-9. The Chiefs rolled to 7-1 and the Jets keep on participating every Sunday and fall to 0-8 as the only winless team in the league. They play the Patriots on Monday Night Football. Oh lord, that should be something else. The Miami Dolphins beat the Los Angeles Rams in Tua Tagovailoa's first start. Although he didn't need to do much, Miami forced four turnovers and had a punt return for touchdown as Miami improves to 4 and 3 and the Rams dropped to 5 and 3 and have only beaten NFC East opponents and the Chicago Bears. How about the Dolphins? I mean, we'll talk about them in a bit, but I mean, that's some good stuff. I mean, when they crushed the Niners a few weeks ago, we were saying, really? Did, did the Niners really just get their butts whooped by Miami? I think it's more of looking at, nah, Miami is pretty good. And they look pretty good as they just beat a pretty good Rams team. But the Rams are 5-3. and three, But that record might be a little deceiving as four out of those five wins have been against the NFC East. Not that impressive. The Denver Broncos won at the buzzer over the Chargers 31-30. Drew Locke went down the field, threw a touchdown pass in the dying seconds. Broncos beat the Chargers. The Saints win in overtime over the Chicago Bears 26-23 in overtime. The Bears have now lost two straight games and the Saints improved to 5-2. The Philadelphia Eagles gain a handle on the NFC East with a 23-9 win over the Dallas Cowboys and third stringer Ben DiNucci. The Eagles are now 3-4-1. And the Eagles look like the team to beat in the NFC East, although Carson Wentz needs to pick up his game a lot more. And on Monday night, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the New York Giants in a wild ending, 25-23. The Giants played very well through three quarters. Daniel Jones connected with Golden Tate in the dying seconds of that game, but they couldn't convert the two-point try to send the game to overtime. The Bucs go to 6-2, the Giants Fall to 1-7. and seven. Who would have thought that was going to be a good game heading in? That's why the NFL is the NFL on every given Sunday. Looking ahead to Week 9, there's some good ones on tap. Starting with the early slate, Seattle goes to Buffalo. That should be a great game there. Baltimore goes to Indianapolis. That should be a very interesting game as well. The Chicago Bears go to Tennessee. Both teams coming off of losses. Both teams in need of a win. That should be a good one there. Derrick Henry against that defense. Khalil Mack. Miami at Arizona, very interesting game there. The Dolphins are coming in hot. The Cardinals are coming on after a well-rested bye week. And previously to that, a big win against Seattle. That should be a very interesting game in the late window. And Sunday night, Drew Brees versus Tom Brady Part 2. The Saints go to the Bucks in what should be a big, big game for the Tampa Bay Bucks after losing Week 1's matchup to the Saints. So looking looking at some midseason surprises so far, looking at some records, the Chicago Bears five and three start. It doesn't look that impressive now. I think when they were five and one, it was definitely very impressive. Considering their offense is just not that special, but their defense is very good. But their offense, they don't do anything you know that innovative or creative that makes them that good. But now they've lost two straight games, and the Bears are starting to look more like. Bears that we thought they were going to be the Arizona Cardinals five and two start I mean they've had an easy schedule but this is a good team this is a really good team and them handing Seattle their first loss that was a big win and I know the NFC West games are always super super competitive but that was a very impressive win and Kyler Murray's playing at a very high level right now I'd watch out for the Cardinals they have some big ones coming up and we'll, we'll really start to see if the Cardinals can knock off some other big name teams but watch out for the Arizona Cardinals the Pittsburgh Steelers are 7-0 and the only undefeated team so far in the NFL. I mean, I-, I am surprised by this. I'm not surprised that the Steelers are this good, but I'm surprised that they're 7-0. But again, when you have a healthy Ben Roethlisberger who's won two Super Bowls before, he's been there, done that, and you have a defense as good as Pittsburgh's defense right now with Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt and Stefan Tuitt and all those boys. The Steelers are dangerous, and Mike Tomlin is no joke. He is one of the best coaches in the game. Watch out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would love to see a Pittsburgh-Kansas City AFC title game. That would be awesome. Miami, 4-3. We were just talking about the Dolphins. They, They look pretty good. Brian Flores is doing a pretty good job, and I would definitely put him in the Coach of the Year candidate right now or in that Coach of the Year conversation. He's doing a great job, and although Tua didn't exactly do that much in that game. But overall, the Miami Dolphins team is definitely looking in the right direction. The Vikings 2-5 and five start? Yeah, no, this is surprising. I expected a lot more out of the Minnesota Vikings. I didn't think 2-5 and five was, a, was a record that they would get. I didn't think they would be in last place. I thought they would be competing for first place in this division. But clearly, they've lost a lot of guys on defense. They're clearly missing Stephon Diggs, even though uh, Justin Jefferson's been phenomenal. The Vikings are struggling right now. But they did go into Green Bay and get a big win. So at least there's that for the Vikings. The Dallas Cowboys are 2-6. You know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. The O-line has been, you know, they've lost so many guys, completely depleted. They lost Dak Prescott to season-ending injury. Andy Dalton goes down. I mean, their defense was already bad to begin with. But I just think, you know, it's not the Dallas Cowboys' fault. I would expect more out of Mike McCarthy, though. I really do. From a guy who's won a Super Bowl, I would expect more out of him and that coaching staff. But that defense, uh, yeah, yay. The Niners, 4-4, four and four, same thing as the Cowboys. I give them the benefit of the doubt. Injuries have been killing them from week one all the way to now. But yet the Niners are still 4-4, four and four, which honestly, that is a surprise to me. The Texans, 1-6, and six, definitely a surprise here. I didn't think the Texans would be this bad. It's really showing how important DeAndre Hopkins was to that football team. And the New England Patriots going to 2-5. I mean, this, this this, has been tough. For Patriots fans, I can't imagine well, I mean, what they're feeling and going through right now. It's just been really tough for the New England Patriots right now. But they're going through some stuff. They're 2-5. Who knows if Cam Newton still starts. Probably time to turn to Jared Stidham sooner than later. Heading on to the week eight weekly award winners for this week, starting with the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week award. The candidates were Dalvin Cook, what a wicked day 30 carries, 163 yards, two catches for 63 yards, and four touchdowns on the day. Alvin Kamara, 12 carries for 67 yards, but nine catches for 96 yards, 163 total yards. Kamara stepping up huge in the passing game in place of Michael Thomas. DK Metcalf, 12 catches for 161 yards and two touchdowns. Boy, oh boy. The Niners had no answer for DK Metcalf on Sunday. Emmanuel Mosley is just not big enough, not strong enough to deal with him. Not entirely his fault, but that was definitely tough. Drew Locke, 26 for 41 for 248 yards, three touchdowns at a pick. Drew Locke's good. I, I don't think people give him enough credit. He's not, you know, amazing, but this is his first full year as a quarterback and he, he's pretty good. And Denver you know, they're still growing in some ways, but they're, they're, they're heading in the right direction for sure. To the Bill Walsh best team of the week award. Oh, the winner of the Cherry Rice MVP of the week award was Alvin Kamara, who had the most votes on here. Wow. I completely slipped my mind there. Alvin Kamara won this award. I would have given this one to Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook had himself a day, but, Al- but what Alvin Kamara did was pretty impressive too. To be honest, All four candidates were fantastic in that game. The Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week award, the Indianapolis Colts, who beat the Detroit Lions 41-21 and improved to 5-2. The Minnesota Vikings, upsetting the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field 28-22. The Miami Dolphins, shocking the LA Rams. Or the New Orleans Saints, beating the Chicago Bears in overtime. The winners of this week's award were the Minnesota Vikings and the Miami Dolphins. They both tied for winning this award, I I mean I would probably give this one to to Minnesota because that was very impressive to go into Lambo and beat the Packers who have been very hard to beat lately. But at the same time, my, what Miami did was very impressive as well. So the Vikings and Dolphins both win this week's award for the Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week. On to the Cody Pickett L of the Week award. The candidates were. Cam Newton fumbling late against Buffalo. Just so tough to, to have that happen for Bill Belichick's squad. Tennessee losing to the Bengals. Very surprising there. The Cleveland Browns scoring six points against the Raiders. Or the Chargers blowing a 21-point lead against the Broncos. The winner of this week's award for Cody pickett L of the week was the Tennessee Titans. They've now lost two straight and... I'll agree. I, If it was up to me, I probably would have given this one to Cam Newton because that's an L. You know, you're the starting quarterback. You have a chance to tie and, and you fumble. That that cannot happen. But Tennessee losing to Cincinnati, that's a game that you should have won. And, and I'll give the credit where it's due because Joe Burrow was balling out. He looks fantastic. But I heard that the Bengals were losing a lot of guys on their offensive line heading into that game as well. And the Titans still gave up 31 points to a rookie quarterback. I don't know. I would expect more out of Mike Vrabel's defense for sure there. So the Titans losing to Cincy win the L of the week. On to the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week award. The candidates were the Bengals beating the Titans, Dolphins beating the Rams, Vikings over the Packers, or the Colts dropping 41 points on Detroit. The winner of the Surprise of the Week award is the Minnesota Vikings beating the Green Bay Packers. I completely agree with this. I think the Vikings going into Green Bay was definitely a surprise. Not many people expected that, but sometimes you do because division matchups are always different. The Raiders beat the Chiefs. No one really expected that one either. The division games are always different and they're always competitive. So I'll I'll give it, I'll give that for what it's worth. And the Vikings Packers is definitely an intense rivalry, but it is still surprising con- considering the Vikings have struggled a lot this year and the Packers have looked very good at times. So that was a concerning loss for Green Bay and they go into Thursday night against a depleted 49ers team. That should be very interesting. If Green Bay's healthy, they should be able to win this game. But if they let Nick Mullins and this offense drop quite a few points and stay in that football game, I don't know about Green Bay. Last but not least, we finish off every episode the same way we usually do with the week nine survival pick of the week. My picks for this week are going to be Pittsburgh over Dallas. Pittsburgh's undefeated, Dallas looks brutal. The Steelers' defense should eat whoever is starting that game for the Cowboys alive. If Andy Dalton starts this game, which I believe he is out, but if Andy Dalton did start this game, that'd be interesting because Andy Dalton has played the Pittsburgh Steelers before and has played very good against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's unfortunate that he, I believe, is out not because not because of his concussion, but I believe he was placed on the COVID-19 list as well. Or if not, the Steelers over the Cowboys... Houston over Jacksonville the Jags are starting some some third string scrub I've never heard of his name in my life so I'd probably take Deshaun Watson and the Texans even though they're one and six in that game having said that I did forget to talk about one topic before we end this episode Kendrick Bourne unfortunately was tested positive for COVID-19 and the Niners were forced to shut down their facility today Very unfortunate news. So I doubt Kendrick Bourne will be playing in the game tomorrow. So it will be down to Brandon Ayuk, Trent Taylor, River Craycraft, and Kevin White and whoever else Kyle Shanahan throws out there. Maybe Kyle Shanahan suits up a wide receiver. And Jordan Reed, I know he might be healthy. That would be huge because I know Mullins and him had some chemistry early on in the season. Ross Dwelly, a guy that does not get talked about enough in a 49er uniform. So... We'll see what happens, but Kendrick Bourne, very unfortunate. He's the guy brings the energy, dancing around with the boombox. So I I wish Kendrick Bourne all the best. I hope he's okay. I don't. I believe he is asymptomatic. So that's the good news. But I'm glad no one else got it. And there is still going to be football tomorrow. But I wish Kendrick Bourne a healthy and safe recovery. And he is back for Week Ten against the Saints. That is it for this week's episode. The Week A Recap. Hope everyone has a great week. Niners, Packers, Thursday Night Football should be a good one. And of course, don't forget to give The 49er Way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis.